0: Of the rushing of the rain. So Hab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. I want you to underline that. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, That's the servant, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariots, go down, lest the rain stop you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this uh, moment. Holy Spirit, what can we do without you? We invite your presence. We know you're already here. Uh, I just pray that you open our hearts, even my own heart, as I preach, that I will not speak the words of men, but I will speak divine words from you. I pray, Lord, there will be transformation and impartation. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, create something that You know, will steer your people to the next level of what you have for them. I thank you because you're already here, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, I'm sure we we probably, if we've been in church for a while, we know uh, this story that I've just read. And, you know, if you you haven't really familiarized yourself with it, probably uh, you can go to uh, 1st. uh, kings. You can start to read uh, from 17 and then go over to 18. You see the backdrop to the story that we have just read here. Uh, I've just read a little portion of what uh, the whole story is about. But if you know the story, you know that in, uh, in, at a particular time, the king that was uh, ruling, ruling in Israel, Ahab, The Bible said he was a wicked king. And as he was ruling, the the prophet Elijah came and uh, spoke, you know, the word to him regarding what God was about to do. He said there won't be rain, you know, because of the wickedness in the land. And Elijah went and uh, a couple of things happened in between. And then again... At a particular time again, he came back and he said, Look, now there will be rain in the land. In fact, I can hear the sound of abundance of rain. Uh, If you are very familiar with the scripture, in James chapter 5, it actually explains this old uh, drama in about two, uh, I think 17 and 18, in about two verses in James chapter 5. James says that Elijah was a man like us. He said there would not be rain, and there was no rain. And for three and a half years, there was no rain. And then, after that, he said there would be rain, and then there was rain. Just I'm paraphrasing this. That actually captured the whole story of what was happening here when Elijah was talking to, to, to hear. You know, it, it's very interesting because um, the title of the message today says, I have nothing. There is nothing. And you can see, I said you should underline that. Uh, because, you know, I don't know about you. At times when God asks you to do something, you really feel, I don't have what it takes to do it. It can be, you know, I mean, a church plant. It can be uh, go to the campuses or to the high schools. It can be your relationship. It can be your business, whatsoever it is. It's almost like, God, I don't have what it takes to accomplish this. God says there's going to be a miracle in your life. You know you've heard from God. You know that God has spoken to you. But all of a sudden you say, well, how am I able to accomplish this? The same we have in this story. You know, and th- there's a lot of examples in the scripture of people that God called uh, to do something miraculous. I don't know about you, but I always feel all the time God speaks to me, it has to be something miraculous. Because if I can do it on my own, it will probably not bother me. It shows that there's something that he wants to do well beyond. And all the time, there's always like, God, how is this going to happen? And in fact, it can even be that even at the moment that you have that call, it it could be like something else is happening in a different direction. And you say, God, didn't you say this to me? It's like you come into a dryness, into a place of barrenness, in a place that... I don't see anything that I have here to accomplish this. That was exactly what the case was. Because when Elijah said there will be famine in the land, there was no rain for three and a half years. You can imagine how dry the situation would be. I live in Australia, and I know that. You know, at times we have... I mean, drought, great drought. I don't know whether you have it here. I mean, where there is no rain for, for months upon months and years upon years. And the people that their livelihood depends on that. I mean, they don't find it easy. Even you have series of, you know, terrible things happening. I don't want to mention uh, some of those things. To so those people during that time, because all their whole life depends on that. So that was a situation that was happening uh, during the time that there was no rain for three and a half years. So you can imagine when Elijah came and said there will be rain, it was like, come on, what are you talking about? I mean, wake up. That's not going to happen. We've not had rain for three and a half years. All of a sudden, right now, there will be rain. How many of you know that's how God operates? When God wants to turn a situation around, it's just now. You enter into a now moment and God begins to move beyond your imagination. So, that was what was happening. here, And I said I have a couple of other examples in the scripture. And I want to read that. How many of you know the, the story in First Kings chapter 17 from verse 12? Uh, it's a story uh, of the, uh, the Zarephath woman, the widow, that God asked Elijah to go and meet. Uh, in, from 11, in 1 Kings 17 from 11, and he, as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, can you all read it with me? I have nothing. I have nothing. Another story is in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2, is that widow with the oil, the widow that the son, I mean, the, the husband died, and the creditors were coming to take his two sons from him, from her, sorry. And in verse 2, And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house. The same thing with the story of feeding the 4,000, the 5,000, whichever way you look at it. When Jesus Christ wanted to feed the crowd and he was asking the disciples, what do you guys have? It was the same response. We have nothing except just this few loaves and fish. There's nothing. It's just a kid's lunch that we have. Another uh, example, also you have, there was a paralytic man. This man was paralyzed and he's been coming to this pool where miracles were happening over and over again for 38 years. The Bible said they will come, they will bring him there. And when Jesus Christ came to that situation, this was what Jesus asked this man. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had, had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one all of this situation resulted in a miracle but it didn't start as a miracle it started as i have nothing it's a dry situation it's impossible how can this be I've been in this situation for too long. I only have a jar of oil. How can I pay my creditors? Oh, I only have a, 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 a morsel of, uh, of bread uh, to, uh, and oil you know, to eat for me and my son to eat and to die. How can I cannot feed you? All of these situations were impossible situations. Everybody say impossible. See, God specializes in that. Because all these situations resulted in miracles. It resulted in something that transformed life. I mean, look at the, the, the example that we read in First Kings chapter 18. And I believe that is all that we see in this story where God turns things around. You know, I remember many years ago, I, I, we lived in Austria. I was living in Innsbruck with my family. And uh, because I did my PhD there in Austria, and uh, you know, uh, we're there living, and it was time for us to leave Austria to come to Australia. Isn't that interesting? Just Austria, Australia, <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, we, we didn't have much. In fact, there was no money to take a bike to the next village, you know, just to let you know how bad things were. And we, we needed up to $10,000. To be able to buy our tickets for the whole family to be able to come to australia nothing but somehow uh 100 landed in our pocket and for me even though that was nothing compared to what we wanted but you know our 100 can be like a hundred thousand to you i mean that's a lot of money but it was nothing and Myself and my wife looked at ourselves. We said, this is nothing. It can't, I mean, it can't get us anywhere. And we believed God. We went into the scripture where the Bible says, uh, uh, Isaac sold in the land when there was famine, and he reaped a hundredfold return. You know that scripture? We went there and we believed, we held on. we prayed, and we took this money and we sold this money. We did that on Sunday. And on Monday, we got our flight ticket. I mean, I can't tell you the whole story. You see, somebody was already keeping that for us. We didn't know that. But as we took a step of faith with nothing, we enter into the miraculous. Because all we heard from this person is that, you know what? God told me many months ago to be keeping this money aside. I didn't know what it was for. Now that I know that you guys are flying out, God told me in my dream, it's for them. And this happened when we took nothing, I was saying nothing, and it became something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you excited? Yeah. That God can use nothing to bring about something that it seems impossible, and God can turn it around. And we have seen many instances like that of God's miracle. Don't. I mean, God is not waiting for an excuse, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I can't speak well, oh, I'm not tall enough, oh, I'm not educated enough, oh, I don't have all the big muscles like uh, Pastor Davis, you know, right here, with all his muscles, I, I, I don't look, I, you know, I don't look great like Jason, you know, good-looking guy, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't do this, you know, I don't have it. I'm not from here, you know, I don't belong there. When you put that in the hand of God, I listened to one woman, Catherine Kuman. He said, How many of you have heard of Catherine Kuman before? Uh, old evangelist, gone to, to glory. He said, She said to the Lord, if you're calling me, I don't have anything to give. But if you, God, knows how to use nothing, <laughs> here am I. If you specialize in using nothing, here am I. I don't know how to reach our campuses. I don't know how to witness to these young people. I don't know how to evangelize. I don't know it, Lord. I can't do it. God says, Welcome to my world. You have nothing, you are in the right place. That's why I've titled this message as I have nothing. There is nothing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. By faith. So that what is seen, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Don't think, you know, when God is saying do this, he's looking at your bank account. Or he's looking at how good looking you are. It's looking at your education. I mean, it's looking at things, you know, how how well-dressed you are, or, you know, from which uh, uh, part of Georgia you come from, or from which part of the world. He's not looking at that. He says, the things that are made, they are made out of things that are not visible. You see, the problem is that if we keep looking at the things that are visible, we will limit The power of God will limit the purpose of God, will limit what God wants to do in our lives. But we don't look at those things because that's not the way God operates. What we see as nothing, God sees as a mighty weapon in his hand. He said to Moses, he said, what do you have in your hand? That's what I'm going to use. Forget you are a stammerer, forget you are a wanderer, forget you have run away from you know where I'm sending you. It doesn't matter. But what's in your hand? I see many people here that God has placed things in their hands, but they are thinking, Oh God, this is it's nothing. I can't do it. I'm thought it it's not possible. I mean, I'm a businessman, I can not preach the gospel, you know, I'm a housewife, you know, I'm just too busy, I, I'm, I'm this, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a student, you know, I'm doing, I'm a medical student, medicine is very tough, you know, I have to study all, I, I can't, I can't be involved with campus, I can't do this, I can't do that, we give all this list of reasons why we can't, but God is saying, you can do it, you can do it. Because that's the kind of God that he is. So, I want to show you uh, from the scripture uh, just four lessons we can learn from this interaction. Let me bring you back to the original scripture we read. It was, uh, I will narrate it to you. It was when God was going to bring rain back to the land of Israel, he spoke through Elijah the prophet, and Elijah the prophet went to King Ahab and he says, now I can hear the sound of abundance of rain. You've been in drought, you've been in famine, but right now rain is coming. Everybody say rain Rain. is coming. Say rain Rain. is here. He says, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And it didn't look like that. <laughs> there was no rain. In fact, it was, it was, I mean, hardly to even find a cloud. You know, we're driving all the way from Florida, you know, with Jason uh, on, on, uh, on Friday. And I tell you, before we, I mean, we saw this cloud, you already know there's going to be rain. I mean, the, cl- the cloud was thick. It was serious, and when the rain came, it was, mm, I'm, I'm telling you. And in this case, there was nothing like that. It took seven times for the servant to actually see anything. So when Elijah told the king Ahab that there's going to be an abundance of rain, I can hear rain because he can hear it in the spirit. The next thing he did was to go on his knees. Don't think he was just plain religious. It was really a place of deep intimacy with the God that has shown him and the spirit that there is rain. He went on his knees and he started to communicate with that God. There was a deep commune. There was a deep interaction that was going between him and God. It's like, God, you showed me this. You told me how my life will be. You have shown me, you know, the, the, the destiny you have for me. You have shown me my family. My children will serve you. You have shown me everything. You, you will heal my body. I understand that. Oh, God, I've seen it. He went on his knees and started to have a deep communion with God. And that's very important. Because he never allowed any other thing to distract him. You know, at times, you know, we we get a vision and understanding that God is giving us a dream. And we go about, you know, being distracted. We can even go about comparing ourselves to others and trying to figure out, you know. And we leave the one that actually showed us this. We leave the communication and the communion with him. So Elijah went to God. He said, you showed me. There is going to be rain. It's between me and you. I'm not going to be disgraced because you showed it to me. Uh, you, that rain must come. It has to happen because I've already said it. <laughs> and you are, not going to do, you are not going to let me down. But he went on his knees and started to pray. And started to seek the face of God. And he kept sending his servant. And he did it for seven times. Now, it's very interesting. Take note of this. He got the dream, got the vision, God showed it, it was in his heart. He said, I can hear it. The, star- the servant kept coming back to tell him, I can't see anything. I mean, some of us just the first one, we just oh we just dust our knees. We say, Okay, <laughs> let's let, let's go to Starbucks. I, 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 maybe I had too much coffee. I should go and get another coffee and you know we dust. No, yeah. he never did that. He kept on his knees there yeah, okay. seven times. How many times have people come to discourage you, yeah. even as a follower of Jesus Christ? How many times have people come to dis- d- d- discourage you? This campus thing is not going to work. Yeah. You know this. I mean, this, I mean, this gospel. What, what is? It's not going to work. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. This, that vision, you are just dreaming. Maybe you got home and you got the vision and you, you are raising the roof in your home. And they said, Come on, pull it down. Seven times, the servant, the one he trusted, the servant, the one that serves him, came to him, said, Master, there's nothing. Master said, Okay, you go back. He never looked up more than that. He kept praying. 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 And then what happened? The seventh time, the Bible says, the rain came. ever the, the rain came. <laughs> I love that. I'm telling you, God is not the man that lies, neither the son of man that repents. If he has said something in your heart, hold on to it. guard it jealously. He says something to the heart of this church. I believe that. That's why you're here. That's why you're doing what you're doing. Guard it jealously. Do not let it fall. And some of you here, he has spoken to you. He's giving you the picture of your life. How uh, it's going to be for you in the future. It's not, it's not lying. That's what it is. You know, I love, you know, uh, at the World Conference, we just finished the World Conference, and Daniel uh, talked about uh, turning uh, tragedy to strategy. God wants to show you things that you just need to keep holding on. As those things that look as if they are not. And believe a God that calls them as they were. The Bible says God calls those things that are not as though they were. That's the case in your life. Amen. So what was going on right here with Elijah and what he heard from God and what he declared to King Ahab and what he was interacting with his servant. What was going on here? And What can we learn from this story? The first thing we can learn from this story is that whatsoever dream God has placed in your heart is between you and God. You know, God spoke this to me. Uh, sometimes they go, you know, you, as a pastor, you know, at times you can keep, oh, God, what's going on? These people are not getting this thing. They are not evangelizing. They are not bringing people to church. They are not, they are not giving. They are not doing this. They are not doing that. Um, they are the problem. They are, they are the issue. God says, no, they are not. It's between me and you. And I said, okay, I got it, Lord. When Elijah declared it to the king, he didn't go to a committee. He didn't go to anybody. He went on his knees. He says, God is between me and you. That prayer kept him focused on God. When you are focused on God, laser focused on God, on these promises. Uh, because, you see, God is not going to let you down. He's not a lie. The Bible says the word of God in Isaiah 55 will not fall to the ground. It will accomplish that which it has been sent to accomplish. When God speaks to your heart, it is between you and God. God is going to bring people around you. Amen. That's fantastic. But at the end of it, it is a one-on-one between you and God. So, when that is the case, it's never never about what you see, because what you see might discourage you. The second point is that godly expectations will keep you acting as if you have already have it. He, He said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I can tell you this. Elijah already saw the rain. How many of you know the things of the spirit are more real than the physical? Elijah already saw the rain. He already saw, he already heard, he already seen that there is rain in the spirit. And because of that, there was an expectation in him that nobody can take away. That expectation drove him to is knees to pray. Because what you hear, if you hear godly, uh, godly vision, godly dream, godly expectation arising in you, it drives you to seek that God, to bring it to happen. So that expectation drove him to his knees. And as he was there, his behavior was lined up with what he was seeing in the spirit. So every time the servant was coming to him, he says, you go back. You see, if God spoke something to our heart, it should bring up a godly expectation. And the, a godly expectation, God will not disappoint. Amen. If a God wants to meet such expectation, he says, come to me. Let us contend together. Let's let's talk about this thing. Lord, this is this is what you said. This is what I'm expecting. Oh, yeah, sure. You are right on spot. That's number two. Number three, the third point: hearing God right leads to godly expectations, and godly expectations lead to persistence. Everybody say persistence. You see, that's very important. You know, don't give up. Look to your neighbor say, don't give up. If you're a student, don't give up. If you're, if you're in school, don't give up. If you're trusting God for a life partner, a godly man or a godly woman, don't give up. If you're believing God for the best, for a good job that will honor God, don't give up. If you have been reaching your neighbor or you have been reaching people in your college or on, on your campuses or wherever they are, do not give up. Because that is godly expectation and it will keep you to be persistent. Elijah said, I am not going to stand up from this place until something happens. He kept on his knees kept praying, kept communing with God because there was an expectation in him that is not human expectation. There was an expectation in him that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what he has promised, whatever you can imagine, according to the power of God that is at work within you. So that tears of a persistent that you know that you know that if God says this to my life, to my family, in my home, in my business, in my career, he is able to do it. I am not going to give up. God has not given up on me. He kept pressing on. And he got the answer. Didn't he get the answer? He got it. He got the answer. You will get the answer in Jesus' mighty name. And believe that. This church will get the answer in Jesus' name. Because you are holding on, expecting what God has promised in this part of Georgia. You are holding on, trusting God. Amen? So number four, finally. I says, it always pays off at the end. You know, I mean a few at times you, you you knock yourself. You say, What what was wrong with you, Joshua? Why were you so worried? You know? I mean, there are so many things I've worried about in my life that you know all of a sudden the, the old thing just came true. And I said, Why did I just spend my whole energy worrying about this? He says, Why why do you have to worry? It always pays off. You know, because at times you might be you know, kneeling down, praying, persistent, and everything. And you know, at times, you know, the enemy says, oh, are, you, "Are you really sure?" You know, and worry can come, doubt can come, unbelief can come, even situations can come, and, and the devil will, will say, "Oh, you know what?" I mean, that's what I'm telling you. And then all of a sudden, because God is in it, God shows up, and things work out. And you say, "Why? Why, why did I? Why did I burn my energy on that?" Because it always pays off at the end. It always. What you are doing will always pay off at the end. Where you are right now will always pay off at the end. Let me read three scriptures. uh, and That's the end. (laughs) Go to the first one. The first scripture. In in Micah chapter 7 verse 7, it says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. God will hear me. He will. God will hear me. That's the way you should operate in, as you follow him. You know he will always, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The second slide, in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, Be constant in prayer, and God will hear you. Finally, the last one. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. It extends to the end. It will not lie if it seems slow. Amen. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Father, Lord, I thank you for these precious people. I thank you for all you are doing in this uh, part of the world. Thank you for even the vision for this place, for this house. Thank you, Lord, even as they celebrate five years of ministry. Lord, that it's just the beginning of great things that you have in store. As they don't give up, as they keep holding on, as they keep looking on to you persistently, I believe you're going to draw those souls because you already have them. They're going to rain into this house like a rain. They're going to just be pouring in like a rain in this place because your people have not given up. They keep hoping, they keep praying, they keep pressing. I also pray for lives in this place. I don't know what everyone is waiting on you for. But your word says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I pray for a renewal of strength. Even when their knees are weakened, I pray you strengthen it. That they will not give up. They will keep praying, they will keep pressing, they will keep hoping, they will keep believing. Because that's the kind of God you are. Thank you, Lord, that they will believe you personal things in their homes, their marriages, their children, their, their career. whatsoever it is, this, Lord, I pray you will rain the rain of blessing upon this house. I declare, oh God, let heaven be open upon every life that is here. Let there be an abundance of rain in the mighty name of Jesus. Every dryness, everything that looks hopeless, Lord, I pray, oh God, fill it up this moment. Let them begin to get a glimpse. Even as Elijah, at the end of it, he said, I can see a cloud like a hand. And he says, that's it. I pray so shall it be for everyone in this place. Lord, as they keep ho- holding on to you, you give them that glimpse. I even feel you are doing that even right now for some people in this place. They are catching it. They say, yes, that's the point. That's it. That's what I need to hear. That's, that's exactly what I'm believing for. They are seeing it. Lord, you are giving dreams of, of new new, new. Uh, exploits uh, upon the lives of people in this place. You are giving dreams of open doors. Lord, you are giving dreams of restoration of marriages, of families. You are giving dreams of homes being restored. They they are seeing it right now. They know it's possible. They are not giving up anymore. No more giving up. They are not giving up. Hope is arising in this place. I thank you, Lord, that that's the case here. I give you all the glory. Thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.